Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Good morning, all you out there in RPR land, and welcome. Um, I hope that you're ready to fan the flames with us this morning. We're here in Rapid City, South Dakota at the beautiful Terra Sancta Retreat Center, and our purpose today is to fan the flames of the Holy Spirit. Um, And our topic today is about testimony and the power of testimony in the lives of Christians. And um, as Catholics, too, sometimes I think we don't do so well in this area of testimony. So part of our purpose today is just to encourage all of you out there um, to actually recognize you have a testimony to share and to kind of step up to the plate and find the courage to share your testimony with each other as God leads, um, always seemed tuned into him. So... I really believe that as we share our testimony, that we help each other build our faith. We help each other actually get closer to the Trinity, to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we certainly see in Scripture that um, testimony was a huge part of spreading the faith. And so since we're kind of post-Pentecost here, it's kind of fun also to look at the early church and how that power of testimony actually made it kind of exponential, the way they shared the faith. So I have got two guests today, and for the first hour, I will introduce you to Lisa Fay, and she's got a she's got a story that really packs a punch that she'll share with you, and she'll share about um, how she shares this powerful testimony to. Um, um, well, for multiple reasons, which we'll talk about. And in the second half, you're going to meet Jennifer Shama, and you're going to hear a lot about everyday testimony with Jennifer. And you also will hear that with Lisa. And I'm going to throw a few examples in, too. But we all three really believe that these everyday testimonies, they pack a powerful punch in the Holy Spirit. Um, it's its kind of a, a one-two, and at times it can knock out, I think. I think the agenda of the enemy uh, who would have us not share this and not build our faith. So, uh, listeners, I would like to start the morning with a prayer as we begin. So, dear Lord, we are just so very grateful that you transform the tests of our life into testimonies. You transform our messes into messages, our trials into triumphs, and you do this all for the building of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you change us from victims to victors, and you turn our miseries into ministries. So, Lord, as we surrender our lives to you more and more deeply, day by day, help us be open to witnessing to you through the words of our testimony and the testimony of just the way we live our lives. 
We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, um, I would actually like to give you a little teaser from Lisa's book about testimony as we begin. And I didn't tell her I was doing this, but I would, uh, I'm going to read a little bit from her book that's called Just As You Are. And the subtitle to her book is How Testimony Can Impact People in Ways You Never Thought Possible. So, here's from Lisa on testimony on page 102. Um, Testimonies are powerful because of the effects they have on people. Those who hear your story are called to action or motivated to make a change in their life. An outpouring from their response can turn to be a blessing to others. It's as if you have given them permission by your example to go out and to share their story with others. More often than not, the stories which speak to our hearts are the personal stories. Think of someone you are close to and what makes you close to them. It's more than likely that you can relate to one another, and this is what it is like when you share your stories with each other. Sometimes we may think our story is insignificant, but God has called you to think bigger because you are a child of God, and your plain small does not suit anyone. As I mentioned earlier, you are here at this time right now for a purpose, and you were created to reveal God's salvation message to all you meet. As you are sharing your testimony with others, never doubt the greatness of God and how big your testimony may be. You do have a story, and every story matters for the kingdom of heaven. You are his And he will give you everything necessary to share your story. So with that, I would like to introduce you to Lisa Fay. And, you know, the Lord is amazing the way he moves. Um, Lisa and I happened a couple months ago to be both, we both had tables at Pastoral Ministry Days. And even though I had met you, Lisa, years ago, um, just briefly, we reconnected, and I had no idea what all the Lord had done in the midst of that space. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes. it, it is wild. So, Lisa, would you give our listeners just a little snapshot of who you are? Sure, I would love to. Um, first of all, thank you, Kathleen, for having me join you this morning. I appreciate that so much. Um, I am Lisa Fay. I live here in uh, the beautiful Black Hills area. I'm married to Pat of 36 years. We have two grown daughters who are teachers. One's a band teacher and one's in the elementary education system. And um, I have done a gamut of things. I've been a Mary Kay sales director, and then I, uh, through prayer and discernment, God wanted more time with me, and that turned into ministry. And so I've been serving in youth ministry for years and um, missing women because of my career in Mary Kay. And through prayer, once again, God just put it on my heart to minister to women. And so through that, I've been um, writing Bible studies and books and speaking at retreats and stuff and um, just doing all those kinds kinds of things that I enjoy doing for the Lord. It's, it is so exciting to see the way he's been moving you. I mean, all through your life, yes, but in recent years, it's been, it sounds to me like it's been kind of exponential. And I'm going to make the listeners wait a little bit to hear some <laughs> of how, how he developed that. Um, I think, though, Lisa, that we'll just dive right into your story. Oh, 
you know, uh, awesome. your your testimony. And I, you were going to start maybe telling a little bit about your grounding in faith sure, from early sure. years. Yes, because um, my story actually begins when I was little, and most of our stories do. There's these little tidbits or dots in our lives. And so when I was growing up, I was in a small community where my uh, grandparents, everybody lived close by in uh, one of the things I remember is my grandma during, like, in the middle of the afternoon, whenever we were over there, she would have orange Kool-Aid and cookies, <laughs> and we would sit down, and she would talk about the church teachings and about the faith. And I always thought it was so interesting because she would talk about worldview problems and uh-huh, then uh-huh. talk about, get our opinions on it. And so I'm like, I felt like a big deal as a five or six-year-old that my grandma would sit down and talk to us about world issues and put the faith in it. You know what? That is so amazing that you share that little tidbit because I had a cousin of mine stop by with one of his sons last evening. He just got to town. I didn't know he was coming. And, and, and my aunt, Sister Carol, who's now not. 92. We were all sitting in my living room and we got into the deepest spiritual discussions. And my, um, my cousin's son, Pierce, he was asking great questions and we were just going all sorts of places in the spiritual realm. And he was so interested and it was absolutely awesome. And I I really felt the Lord move in that. So those things, we need to not discount that. How that's important right. that me being grounding. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's very confirming for yes. me. Well, good. I'm I mean, glad. I loved it. It's yes. just, you know, I love to do that all yes. the time. Well, and it impacted my life. And, yeah. Um, the thing that was also interesting is when we would have family meals, we would invite the priest to come yes. to the meal. And then I had a great aunt who was a sister. And so I just felt in between her, those people, and my godparents who were very um, firm in their faith, praying the rosary before supper every night. Wow. Um, just all those things were foundations to my faith of um, who I am. And so it felt very natural to me. Yeah, yeah. That's really that's really wonderful. And wonderful, I think, for all you listeners out there to just take a minute and, and think about and be grateful for those people that did ground us in our faith. And sometimes that happened in our childhood, but sometimes way later on down the road. Yes. You know, I think God is always there and present to us in a variety of ways. But there are really instrumental people who help grow our faith in a profound way. Yeah. yeah, and then oftentimes it feels like it's it's just this little conversation. Yeah, natural. Yes. yes. But yes. they have those markers in your life where you can reflect back. And I can remember to this day sitting at the table with my grandma. And so it definitely made a great deposit of faith. Yes. I just didn't realize it at the time. Yes. You know, and you talked about priests also being around your table, and I also grew up with that. And so in a way, I think it helped me because I did not, like, put them on kind of a false high pedestal. I just saw how human they were also. That's right. And, and I think that maybe. um you know, I think sometimes people do that. They put priests and religious on a pedestal that's a little bit too high. You and know, oftentimes that'll interfere with discernment for vocations then, because then you feel like I'm, I'm not worthy. Yes, yeah. You know, but when you have them over and you get to know them. Yes, yes. You know that their vocation, the call that God had for them was for a priest. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's really, it is. It's wonderful to get to know them on that level. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So that was my experience growing up is just that early grounding in faith of being around people who love the Lord and talked about the Lord. And my grandma, she taught... Uh, CCD, and it was always interesting. Every year I thought I'd have a new CCD teacher, and it was always my grandma. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I always thought that was funny. And looking back on it, I think it was so important to her that we had the foundations of faith. She just followed me up the years. <laughs> wow. So wow. It was fabulous to have my grandma as a CCD teacher yeah. as well. She sounds like she was a fabulous person. Yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, You know, we're certainly not going to be able to talk about the entire story of your life, Lisa. But if you want to start telling us a little bit about the part when you met your husband. Yes. Um, So uh, when I, it was my senior year of graduation. My, um, I had plans of college, but didn't have the money. And my uncle had knew the, this family who had uh, tourist businesses, and they were looking for someone to offer days off for people. So I went out to the Badlands, and um, the first night I met this young man who would be the one, a son of this family that hired me. And uh, it was a couple days of him picking me up, taking me to work because I didn't have a car. And the next thing I know is he asked me out on a date. And it was on that date on the way home that I um, was changed forever. And it was, uh, he shared with me how he was close to the Lord and that he would have, he had a premonition and a vision. And the first one was he was walking from the barn. He was with his dad and his brother, and all of a sudden, he felt like this really um, excruciating pain in his head. He says, I really couldn't explain it, and so uh, he just fell to his knees, and he was holding his head, crying out, and his mother saw him out of the kitchen window, came out and said, Shane, what is going on? And he goes, Mom, it's horrible. I've seen a plane. It's crashed, and there's body parts all over. Oh my and goodness. he's just rocking, holding his head and crying out, just telling her exactly what he saw. And then um, he, his mom had passed, and his mom then went in the house with him. They called their pastor, and he came out, and the pastor prayed with them, and uh, they shared what had happened. And he said, had you turned on the news, there was a plane crash that happened at the Chicago Air- Airport, and um, everyone was killed. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So he was given really a, like a vision yes, or... and it was crystal clear to him. He, oh, my he goodness. He said, all I saw left of this one person was just their face. Oh, my gosh. And so I, How traumatic. And he's telling you this telling early this. on. Yes. <laughs> and I am just this baby out of high school, and I'm like, I have never heard anything like this before. Oh, my gosh. I did what any good Catholic girl would do. I started saying prayers and saying the Hail Marys. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, listeners, we're going to leave you hanging on that story as we go to break now. But here, stay with us on Real Presence Live, and we will be back soon. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you 
know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish, one who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hi, this is Dr. Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here at Terra Sancta Retreat Center in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, Rapid City. And I'm here with Lisa Fay, and we left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger as we were talking about, we're talking about testimony today, and we were talking um, about some pretty profound testimony in her life. So Lisa had just shared um, how at the time it was the guy she was dating who later became her husband I was sharing about a really incredible vision that he had uh, with with planes crashing and then it turned out it was an actual crash that happened at Chicago O'Hare so Lisa keep going Okay. (laughs) so I am sitting in the car with him and listening to this young man who I have only known for a couple days and he I just thought wow how brave he was that he would share with me about something that, you know, not everybody would just be able to understand it. And so then he goes, I had another vision. And I thought, oh, great. (laughs) What now? That's right. That's right. And so he shared how um, he was driving home from high school and he was driving on the service road. And all of a sudden he felt that sensation in his head. So he knew to pull over because it's just, it's quite excruciating for some reason. And he got out of his car and he was standing at his car and he had this uh, premonition of his, it was him and his brother were by haying equipment and his brother had a son and that they were um, just visiting. And he said, then all of a sudden I was killed. 
Oh, my gosh. Yes. And he said that um, I died, and my brother's son was probably about 11. And uh, it was just this vision of haying equipment, bales of hay, and myself and my brother and his son. And at the time, his brother wasn't even married. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so he was seeing, uh, the Lord had, was showing yes, him something in the yes. future. And so he got back into his car, went home and shared with his family. And so they learned to just ask a lot of questions. And in this uh, premonition, Shane thought he was 42. Uh huh. He got a, a general sense yes, of that. Yes. Uh-huh. And so he had shared that with me. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what to say. This is a date. I mean, you don't usually have these conversations on dates. And then he shared. And then one time I had this experience with the Lord. And I thought, okay, I kind of leaned into that one. Like, I can handle that one. And so he said that he was out riding his horse in the pasture. And he just all of a sudden got off his horse. And he was sitting there. And he was just pondering and contemplating on the Lord. Uh And he said, all of a sudden, this bright light came and encompassed him. Wow. And I said, so what do you think that was? And, Uh And how did that feel? And he said, it felt warm and like the love of Jesus. And he said, and then it disappeared, and then he dropped me off, and that was my first date with him. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't totally scare you off. No, no. He was very intriguing. And I think what um, I remember the most is that even though I was alarmed by what he had shared with me is that I didn't feel afraid. I felt like there was the presence of the Lord in it, and Uh um, I I just felt like this is someone I want to get to know more because I had not had many conversations with young men his age about Jesus like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then uh, we went to college and uh, the following summer I worked for his parents again. And after that, he asked me to marry him. And so um, I said, well, you have to ask my dad. And so he did. (laughs) And we went off to college, and we decided to get married during winter break. So we picked New Year's Year's Eve to get married. And um, it was, we decided that at Christmas we'd each spend time with our families. And so he went home to be with his. I was with mine. A couple days before our wedding at Blizzard, he was supposed to come, and he couldn't because of the weather. The interstate was shut down. We had no power. I was beginning to think it'd be hard to get married without a groom. (laughs) And I was laying in bed that night, and all of a sudden, that premonition come to my heart about him being killed when he he Mm. was 42. Uh And um, I got scared, and I thought, what am I doing? Why am I marrying this This man knowing this already that he has a short time span? Yeah. And um, I was praying, and I was feeling anxious, and the Lord just placed it upon my heart. He said, Lisa, isn't it better to love than to never love at all, and that I will be with you? Yeah. And so then I just had this peace, and I'll be honest with you, being I was young, I was 19 at the time, um, I thought 42 is old. Ah, yes, yes, yeah. How your perspective has changed. I have a long time with him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it would at that age, right. Yes. I can see how you would have seen it. Yeah, so then we get married, and uh, we graduate from college that spring, and then we do this young adult 
life where we are living, um, providing for ourselves. And he's a farmer and a rancher. And I had a legal secretary degree, so I was working for an attorney. And it was the fall of um, 1984 that all of a sudden I started worrying. And it seemed like this premonition just kept coming to the back of my mind and I would be nervous for him Uh and my brother had come back from Korea he was in the army and he was on break and I wanted to go home and be with him and Shane had some friends who were coming to go hunting with him so he stayed behind but I was just worried about him the whole time I was back in my hometown and when we got when I got home I walked into our house, and Shane is sitting in the hallway on the floor. And I thought, well, that's rather odd. And so I said, Shane, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I have something to tell you. And it was that tone of voice that reminded me of our first date that I thought something happened. And so I said, so what happened? And he said, well, my brother and I were in the barn, and I was leaving the barn. And I felt like there were two people walking with me. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I felt like my grandpa, who had passed away uh, a few years back, uh-huh. was on one side and an angel was on the other. And my response is, Shane, I hate this when you do this. I don't know <laughs> what to do with it. And he said, that's what my brother said. And yeah. I said, was there anything else? And he said, no. And so I just went and made supper because I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh, about three months later after we celebrated our second anniversary. Um, I had gotten sick and I was in the hospital when I got out. I didn't realize how it impacted Shane. He was Mm -hmm. in tears. He woke his dad up. He was just concerned for me and afraid he was going to lose me. And it was nothing uh, serious at all, but I never realized how it impacted him in such a way. And the morning of February, it was February 19th in 1985, um, he and his brother and dad were going to get some calves together, and he... uh, He stood in the doorway, and he just kept staring at me, and it made me uncomfortable. And I said, Shane, what's going on? And he said, I just wanted to look at you one more time. Oh, my goodness. And I said, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm thinking it's because of you, of me. Yes. And when I was ready to leave that morning to go to work, then he uh, was in the tractor, and he just had this surreal look and wave. He waved at me. And I just remember praying for him and saying, Lord, please help him to know I'm okay. I went off Mm -hmm. to work, and it's about a 20-minute drive. I started looking through paperwork. I worked for the state's attorney's office at the time, Uh and there was a complaint I needed the sheriff to sign. So I called the sheriff's office. The secretary says, Lisa, the sheriff's not here. He's out at your guys' ranch. There was a horse accident. And so I immediately hung up, called the house. Nobody was picking up. Uh And my mother and mother-in-law and sister-in-law were traveling that day. They weren't home. So it was just the guys at the ranch. And so I told my boss what went down. And he goes, do you know who it is? And I said, no. But in my heart, I just thought, is this Shane? Uh Is this coming? Is this it? Yeah. And so I got in the car. I started driving. I was praying Hail Marys all the time. And so um, I saw the ambulance. I followed them to the hospital, and I'm praying. Just all I could say was Hail Marys Uh the whole time. And I just kept saying, Lisa, it's okay. You don't know it's him. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
all of a sudden, as I was getting about 10 minutes from the hospital uh, on this road, the town is actually down in a valley. And what happened is there was this bright light that come up from that town, and it went over my car and over these round bales of hay. And all of a sudden, I had this sense that Shane was gone, that he had died. And um, I said, no, don't you think that? And so then I'm driving, and about that time, the sheriff's car passes me, and in it, I see his dad and his brother. So then I knew it was Shane in the ambulance. So I get down to the hospital. We're in the waiting room, and the doctor comes in and says that there was nothing he could do, that he had passed away. And his brother had explained to me that they think that the horse slipped on some ground ice and it flipped back on top of Shane. Oh, my goodness. And um, his brother had given him CPR, and um, he was breathing, but just from the impact of that, a horse falling on him is what um, just crushed him, and that's why he passed away. So I leave the waiting room with his dad and his brother by my side, and at the nurse's station is a highway patrolman. And I just remember I worked with him because he would bring me some complaints, some reports, like Uh EWI reports or something. So I knew this highway patrolman. But I remember just being stunned by the sadness in his face. Mm. And I'm just in shock trying to absorb it all. And I go into the room where Shane is. And then um, looking at Shane, I realized that if Shane had a choice to choose between me or Jesus, he would choose Jesus. And that I had to be okay with that. And so, to let him go. Yes. yes. And so a neighbor lady took me home, uh, drove me home. And when I was looking at her ranch, uh, all of a sudden what I felt like the Lord put on my heart is, Lisa, this chapter of your story is done, but there are mm. many more chapters to your story, and I will be with you. Oh, that is so beautiful. Yes. This chapter is done, but there are many more chapters, and I will be with you. Yes. That is so beautiful. That yes. just touches my heart hearing that. Yes, and it just reflects to the night before we got married, too, where God said, isn't it better to love than to never love at all, and I mm. will be with you. And did that come back to yes. you, too? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, and and brought you some comfort yes. in the midst. Yes, yes. Um, and that light that you experienced, yeah, that and, was amazing also. talked about that light. Oh, he did? Yeah, when he oh, was talking about when he his, got off the horse and he was sitting there and this light encompassed him. Oh, It's wow. so amazing, all the things that he had said. It was like dots, random dots here and there, mm. and they're connected. Yes, yes. You, yes. you saw in, in yes, those moments definitely. everything. Yes. Everything connected. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about it more after break, but... I, I would love to hear, Lisa, when we come back from break, how, you know, in a way it sounds like you were prepared for what happened, yes. you know, in that sense, and we will talk more about that. Sounds so, great. listeners, stay with us here on Real Presence Live, and uh, stay with us and come back and hear more of Lisa's story, and we'll go to break now. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. 
Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. What if you could earn a degree that offers the best of both worlds, an MBA and a master's degree in philosophy? The University of Mary offers one degree that combines world-class business training with a careful study of life's deepest questions through their combined MBA, MA, and philosophy program. By earning one degree in both philosophy and business online, you will rigorously engage the big ideas needed to address professional challenges. Visit catholicprofessional.life. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. This is Kathleen Kavorik, and we're here live today at Terra Santa Retreat Center in Rapid City, South Dakota. We are fanning the flames of the Holy Spirit and talking about the power of testimony today. Um, Lisa Faye is with me, and she has just shared a really dramatic story. So if some of you listeners are just joining us, you will have to go to the podcast and listen to that first part of this story. But um, Lisa lost her first time husband and she was just sharing about that about that experience and lisa we were talking a little bit about because of your husband's vision and that he shared with you in a way the lord prepared both of you didn't he yes he did yes he did and um i often thought about that is like you know oftentimes you don't want to know but for this moment i'm glad the lord did let me know and um, my great aunt, who was a sister, her name was Sister Anna Rose, and she sent me a card. So as I'm trying to, like, even though I knew, you still have all that grief and that pain. And, like, I was still young. I was 21 oh years old. And I was trying to figure out, now what do I do? This isn't how I planned my, I thought I'd have this longer period of time. And um, I get this card from my great aunt, and she said, my dearest Lisa, she says, Right now, I know you're sad, and rightfully so. She goes, but wow, you knew a man that the Lord called home so quickly. Mm. He, the Lord, must have a great, great thing that he needs him to do. And so go ahead and grieve for a while, but know that the Lord has a purpose for you. And um, 
and you need to step up and do that. So it was kind of like it was almost like a kick in the pan in the in the bottom because she said, "Yeah, you can grieve, but then you need to get up to, and get going." Yeah, because she, God needs to use you right now too. Sounded almost prophetic the yes, words that she used yes, because they did. called you forward, didn't yes. they? Yes. Yeah. And so anytime I'd feel like I was in that slump of grief or worry or trying to figure out what to do, I would read that card Mm. over and over. And it just reminded me of how that, you know, we can't stop the pain. We can't stop the hurt, but um, we can just look forward and look up. And so by looking up, she was just giving me the marching orders to just keep my eyes on him. That's beautiful. And and beautiful that you kept that card and you looked at it again. I I do that too. Yes. And that's, it serves to as an encouragement. Exactly. Exactly. So there was a lot of first that, uh, that first year of, um, I was reading a book and the book just said, write down all your first, Uh, the first things that you had to overcome, uh, with the loss of a spouse or whatever, uh, any loss of a loved one. And so that's what I did. And um, when I couldn't sleep at night, I went to some grieving courses. And Uh they said, whatever you do, don't get up when you can't sleep in the middle of the night because your body will start getting into that routine. And so I just would grab Shane's Bible and I would read Mm. that Bible and I would just pray. So those were the things that I did that first year is just keeping a journal and um, just moving through the grieving process. Yes. Yes. Because it certainly takes a while. Yes, it does. And if there are any listeners out there where people are telling you to just get over it, um, no. no. You know, it just, it takes as long as it takes. Yes. And that is different for each one of yes. us. Yes. Yeah. And there's still moments where it'll come yes. out of nowhere. You never know what's going to trigger it. But... Um, I. You- I kind of call it the tsunami of grief. It just like can yes. catch you and knock you over. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yes. But, but Lisa, like you said, God is with you. That's and right. That, and those are potential times of growing closer to him. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we cleave to him even more, I think, right. during those times. Right. Yeah. And I had never read the Bible before. So it was interesting oh. that I would go to the Bible to read because uh-huh. it had uh, Shane's name on it. So it brought me comfort. So that's why I just thought, well, if this was Shane's, I want to read it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 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 So it got you into the word yes. more and more. I yes. love that. Yep. I love that. All right. So now probably are you going to fast forward okay, and talk I'll about talk about another chapter? Yes. <laughs> so my next chapter is I uh, the highway patrolman that was standing at the nurse's station is not my husband. He was the one that I worked with um, when I was working at the law firm. Not worked with him directly, but when he'd bring me paperwork to do. And... Um, Pat was uh, such a a very caring man. He would help me, like, uh, with my trailer house or whatever it was. He was there. He would volunteer to do things. And uh, I kind of wish I had one of those right now. (laughs) (laughs) He can fix anything. We don't have anything new in our house because that man can fix anything. It's amazing what he can do. 
Um, and so anyway, he was just a great friend, and he was just very encouraging to me. And so I struggled with loving, you know, like, is it okay to love again and all that stuff? And uh, there was a priest at the time who had set up a spiritual direction appointment with me, and just because I wanted to make sure that's what I, it was okay to do so. Mm-hmm. And crystal clear, she said that all I was doing is worrying about pe- what people were thinking instead of just doing what God has given me. And uh-huh. so I learned really quick how I was letting what people thought and uh-huh. their Color. words yeah, yes. kind of influence my decision-making. And so that clear, that gave me the clear just the direction that it was okay. And so Pat asked me to marry him after dating for four months. And um, we got married in the fall, I think in the, it was in uh, the spring. And... Um, we talked, he, we would talk about what happened, like with Shane's accident and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then after we got married, we just kind of moved on with life. And mm-hmm. we, he was a highway patrolman, so we were stationed up in the northeastern part of South Dakota by his dad. And uh, we just had, we had two daughters. And it wasn't until um, probably about 15 years later I became a Mary Kay sales director, went to a training conference, and Mary Kay was alive at that time. Uh And she taught, she asked us to join the five o'clock club. And it was where we would get up early and give our first part of the day to the Lord. She Uh said, when you do that, your life just goes so much better. At the time, our girls were little, and I thought there is no way of getting (laughs) up at 5 in the morning. They don't sleep through the night. And so it was almost like she could read my thoughts. And she said, if you can't do that, how about the five-minute club? And so... (laughs) I thought I could do five minutes, and so I set my alarm to what I thought usually before the girls got up, and I would have my coffee ready, read a devotion, and pray. And um, after I did that for a few days, I did feel better. My day did go better, and so long story short, we started praying. Uh, I would pray for discernment on things. It Mm -hmm. kind of got me into that habit of doing that and pat was up for a promotion and so we i said let me pray about it so we prayed about it and i felt total peace about it and i just Mm -hmm. said to pat i feel like the lord is giving us a clearing uh, that if we're going to do it now's the time and so he put in for the promotion got it and we were moving to the state capitol and um it was during that time that i was uh just feeling like lonely like here i am in this new place and i was trying to find people that i wanted to that would feed me yes yes feed me spiritually and um that i could feed them in response and so um it was during that time that then i um joined a bible study i prayed and asked this asked the lord to put it on the heart of a neighbor lady to ask me for this bible study she did i became head over heels in love with jesus reading scripture Uh it was just feeding that quench that i had earlier that i was missing yeah and um it was during that time then that i uh, felt called to youth ministry and so i was working uh for father brian christensen at the Fort Pier Church at St. John's. And I was also an area contact for Life Teen, and I went on this oh. retreat uh, that Life Teen had once a year in uh, Georgia, Tigers, Georgia. And um, it was at that retreat that God 
I felt like uh, God called me to um, lay Mary Kay aside and to, uh-huh. he wanted more time with me. And so I came back from the retreat and Father Christensen said, so how'd the retreat go? And I said, it went great. But I said, the Lord wants me to retire from Mary Kay and to, so I could spend more time with him. And he says, Lisa, it just so happens that the gal that does the family faith and all the other part programs for the church, she said she couldn't do it. And so I have a contract for you for you to do it all. <laughs> And I said, Father, did you pray about it? Because <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> and so um, that's when um, when I really got involved with the church. And I was struggling to, like, connect with my high schoolers in the youth uh-huh. ministry part in the Life Teen program we were doing. And I felt like um, the Lord put it on my heart once again that I needed to share my story, my testimony. Uh, uh-huh. So I thought, oh, my gosh, this is hard, Lord. You want me to talk about my story? Like, how is that going to matter? And so as I was preparing, um, all of a sudden I realized that our two girls didn't even know about it. I had never shared the story with our girls, and I don't know why. It just never even was something that come. It wasn't like I was trying to hide anything. And so... Um, I had shared with Pat what the Lord put in my heart. And so the family was prepared. We talked about my testimony. And it was the night of the testimony then that I share it. And um, everybody's just looking at me in shock. Uh And I'm like, did I do something wrong? I thought, oh, no, I'm not supposed to talk about my story is how I felt at the Uh time. And so... It was interesting, though, once we got home, that's when Pat shared with me his story. So I think we're going to leave that as yet another cliffhanger for our listeners as we go to break here. So please stay with us. We're here on Real Presence Live from Rapid City, South Dakota. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. 
The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street in the new Diocesan Building or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. This is Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here with Lisa Fay, and we left you with a second cliffhanger. So, Lisa, you were going to tell us a little bit something uh, about Pat. Yes. And as you were sharing this story, where you were kind of out of your comfort zone doing this, correct? Most definitely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and it's so hard when you see people's faces, and I just I didn't know what to expect. But when we got home, I was concerned for the girls and Pat, and I just asked them if everyone was doing okay. And Pat said, well, Lisa, there's more to your story. And I just looked at him because I was playing in my head the events that I just shared with everyone a little bit ago. And I'm like, what did I forget? (laughs) What's the more to the story? (laughs) And he goes, well, something I never shared with you is that on the morning that that ambulance call come in, I had been working on the on the road till four in the morning, and when I got off work, I always slept with my scanner on. He says I'd hang my uniform up so it was ready to go in case there was an emergency that uh-huh. I could quickly put on my uniform, but I had the scanner on when I slept. And he said that call woke me up when it come in when the they were calling for an ambulance to come out to your guys's ranch. Uh-huh. And he said, so I thought, oh, my gosh, I know these people. And it was a volunteer ambulance. So it's just oh. anybody that, um, you know, had their training. Um, and so he, of course, had it and he was going to go help. And he went to get his uniform on and he was told to sit back down. So he sat back down on his bed and he's waking up and he thought, this is odd. And he was told that uh, Lisa needs you and you were to go help her. Oh, my goodness, that just gives me the shivers. And so he thought, this is odd. So he gets up, and he knew that the ambulance was already at the ranch. So he went and got Father Novotny and said, Lisa needs you, and come with me. And he brought Father Rich to the hospital. And I said, how would you know to get him? And he said, well, I knew you and Shane worked with Father Rich because we were working with the youth back then as newly married couple. And so he brought Father Rich to the hospital. And I had always wondered, how did Father Novotny know? You know, Uh because he was there for me right away. And it was because of Pat. And then um, what was, I was just in awe that Pat had shared that here, he was a part of my story too. And I hadn't even known it. And we hadn't even discussed it for like almost somewhere between 15 and 20 years. And then um, we were, we, so from then on, when I shared my story, if Pat was with me, I would pause at that moment of, you know, after Shane passed away, and then I would say, but there's more to my story, and then I would introduce my husband, Pat, and yeah. have him come up and talk. Well, one time during adoration, I did that, and Pat came up to talk, and as he was sharing, he said, oh my gosh, 
he, he, his voice crackled and stuff, and I was like, what's going on? He realized that it was God that had told him that because he was in front of the monster, and he was, it was in the presence of the Lord that it was like the Lord had confirmed with him, it was I who told you that, Pat. Yeah, and so from then on, I just love what I love about Pat is he ponders things too. He contemplates, and he said, "Hey, Lisa, I was sharing the story with someone, and he goes, didn't you say Shane had dyslexia?'" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "And wasn't he going to be twenty-four?" And I said, "Yeah, in three <gasps> weeks." And he goes, "Do you think he 42. flipped flipped it around?" And he thought forty-two, but it was twenty-four. Oh, wow. And then it would be a little later um, throughout the year, Pat called me and he said, Lisa, you know what? He says, my brother and I used to drive truck and we drove by that scene at the time right after it happened. They went past that the airport on their route as when they were Teamster driving truck and they went right by it and they saw the burning smoke and all oh, that. So goodness. they were there too. And so it's just so interesting how the story keeps unfolding. Yeah. There's always something. And I think that's the power of testimonies. Yes. Is that once you really start thinking about where was God in this, where was I at that moment, it just is so revealing of God was with you at the yes. whole time. Yes. And his, his deep, deep love for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that difficult things happen. Right. But, I mean, he went before you. Yes, he did. On that. He went before you. And he kept his promise. He was with me always. Yes. And so that's the beauty of it. So um, that's how Pat's story then became a part of my story. And who would have thought? Yeah, and that that came out later yeah. is just really intriguing. Yeah. And that it built Pat's faith Yes, when did. he really realized that was the Lord talking to him. I think we can think it's just our imagination or right. did I really hear that? You know, we often hear in different ways when the Lord is speaking, yes. you know. Yes. Um, so we can second guess and we can, you know, kind of uh, just brush that away. And yet I, I do think that's the power of testimony yes. that, you know, we're hearing all of your story from the beginning and how it unfolded. And it certainly builds my faith, Lisa, listening well, awesome. to your story. I, I love that. And I do. It's just how God is. Yes, he is amazing. He is amazing. And, and listeners, if you have not had, I mean, God is different with all of us. And so, you know, Lisa's story is, is you know, kind of one of those mega stories. But she also went through a huge difficulty. And so sometimes I think that... Um, you know, God does things in this big way, you know, during really difficult times. Yes. So please keep watching for the small ways he is with us, the medium ways and the big ways, because I think that uh, he is ever so present and we simply have to open our eyes and our ears and all our senses um, to him. But Lisa, there's kind of a third part that we were going to talk about today about how God called you into the work you're doing today. Okay, so <laughs> it's interesting because I was enjoying doing youth ministry and um, we continued to discern and God brought us out to this area. My husband retired from the highway patrol and um, I had felt like I was supposed to be writing 
I think, since 2012. But I didn't know what that meant. I didn't feel equipped. English was not my strong suit in high school and um, not my favorite subject. So I would probably find a lot of reasons why I went right. But I did start a blog. And because I felt like it was important to be obedient. And I did take some college courses through John Paul the Great University. I um, did get my theology certification. And so um, I just felt like I needed, to, if I was going to write, I needed to have um, some of those things stronger, like my English a little stronger, um, especially when it came to writing good sentences and to have knowledge about the scriptures because I love scriptures and I feel very passionate that we all need to be picking up our Bibles and reading them, not just listening to someone else read them, but mm -hmm. make it our own and underline and and um, put write down what stands out to you. Why did it stand out to yes. you? Because it, the Word of God is alive, active, and sharper than a two-edged sword. Why are we not using it? Because yes. I don't know about you, but I need that. And so um, it was in 2015, things just changed in my life, and I felt like God wanted me to hit pause. And so, and the reason why he wanted me to hit pause is because my identity was starting to become in what I did. Not uh, who I yes. was, but mm -hmm. what I did. And so for about four months, I was just kind of confused by why he wanted me to change direction. And um, I had talked to Bishop Bigler at a youth rally. And um, I just said, would you ever be willing to just um, let me come and talk to you? And he said, sure. I, I just felt like I needed some spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. So I went to Bishop Bigler, and um, at the time he was Father. Father Steve, yes. yes. Father Steve. And um, he said, Lisa, what do you think the Lord's calling you to do right now? And I said, oh, it's so hilarious. He wants me to write Bible studies. And I said... But, you know, nobody will probably want him or anything like that. And I don't have a master's degree. And I had just gave him a zillion excuses why I couldn't do this. And he said, I want you to stop right there. He said, who called you to do that? And I said, the Lord. And he goes, whose voice are you listening to now? And you knew I knew. right away. And I His was, words, he's, he's a bit of a prophet. Yes. So that cut through, didn't that it? That cut through. Yes. It scared yes. me because that Satan's the last person I want to listen, listen to. to. Yes. And so I knew that I was being called to be obedient. And so um, I started to know, uh, get to know Father Pete. I worked, he asked me to work for him in youth ministry, your brother. <laughs> yes, and, my dear brother, who I miss. I know. <laughs> And I was telling Father Pete about my time with Bishop Bigler and um, about the call to writing. And he said, well, Lisa, why don't you write for the women in our parish and just kind of give it a whirl to see how it goes. And so um, I thought, okay, I'm going to give that a whirl. And then uh, we lost poor Father Pete to that airplane crash. And it was a couple months after that that I realized that I wanted to... Um, stay true to my commitment that I made yes. to both Bishop Bigler and to Father Pete about that I would do what God has called me to do. So I wrote my first Bible study, Rise Up Women of God. And the reason why that one, that title hit me, as I just observed women, um, they have so many hats that they wear and they go to church 
And I'm like, but do they have this encounter with Jesus? Because if they had this encounter with Jesus, he would help them in their everyday uh Workings, whether they are a mom or wife or working another job, that Jesus would give them this joy, this unspeakable joy to get through these sometimes mundane tasks we do. And um, so that I found the books, First and Second John, very comforting. And so that was my first Bible study. It's just challenging women to be there for one another and to encounter Jesus. I, I love that, Lisa. It's, and, and we will hear a bit more about it when we come back from break. So, listeners, stay with us here on Real Presence Live, where we are fanning the flames of the Holy Spirit. Um, we'll be back with Lisa Fay, and you will meet Jennifer Shama right after our break. So, stay with us here on Real Presence Live. Okay. Okay. 